the vital way. Where ancient wisdom meets the cutting edge to optimize your vitality and performance. There are no right ways, just better ways. Hey, it's Logan Christopher here, along with Zane, and welcome to the Vital Way Podcast. Uh, this will be another two-part series, and we're going to talk about a subject that is definitely one of my favorites, and I believe a, a big one for Zane as well. We're going to be talking about medicinal mushrooms. So welcome to the call, Zane. Thank you for having me. Interesting place <laughs> to have it on the road. Yes, so Zane is doing a long cross-country drive. Where are you located right now? I am in Tennessee, about to cross over into Virginia on my way to Vermont from Southern California. So the question is, have you spotted any medicinal mushrooms along the way? (laughs) You know, I don't actually haven't had a chance to really step out of the car. I've been driving so much. Yeah. And, uh, I would totally like to look. I'm in the middle of the Appalachian Mountains, and there's a lot of rotting logs around here. Yeah. They're definitely not something that's easy to see from the side of the road, nor do they, well, they, in some parts they definitely hang out around there, but not the easiest to spot things. Um, yeah, but also they do like human uh, debris, and a lot of stuff is cleared, so there's actually more around here than there normally would be, probably. Right. Well, before we talk about spotting them and everything, let's, we should probably give sort of an intro. So I use the term yeah. medicinal mushroom, and that's not something that most people have heard of. Uh, most people are aware people eat mushrooms, but it's uh, sort of, there, there's common ones that are used for cooking, uh, like the white button mushroom, portabella. And those definitely have medicinal compounds in them. In fact, I'd say most of the mushrooms that get eaten would definitely have some medicinal components. But there's, uh, in any old tradition like Ayurveda, especially Chinese medicine, uh, there's a number of different mushrooms that really belong at the top of the class of herbs because they have such potent medicinal qualities. Uh, Yeah, and those ones aren't commonly eaten as much even though right. you could. Some of them you can't eat. <laughs> uh, the most classic medicinal mushroom would be Rishi, uh, Ganoderma, Lucidum, also Lingxi, Lingxi uh, a few other names I'm sure, uh, like the mushroom of immortality, God's herb, all kinds of things. But uh, this this is such a famous one in Chinese medicine that it adorns tons of their religious artwork. Sound all in temples and everything like that, and it's a it's a real woody mushroom. You can't actually eat it because it'd be like eating wood. So it needs to be processed in some way. Uh, most traditionally made into a tea. You would break your teeth on tea. that one. Yeah, you would break your teeth on that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, there, uh, there's like 250,000 compounds in it, and it's yeah. supposedly yeah. one of the most studied. Medicinal mushrooms, right? Isn't that right? Yeah, one of the uh, very most. I'm not sure if it actually is the top. I believe it is. I've heard that before, but, you know, they're always doing more studies, so maybe something else has surpassed it. But most of this research has been done in the East, where this has been revered for thousands of years, and a lot less so over here in the West. So it definitely 
there's some out there. Not not as many human studies, I'd say, more rat or in vitro, that type of thing. Oh, yeah, and it's hard to study some of the effects of the reishi. Um, there's all, obviously all the health benefits that come about from consuming reishi uh, that we would be aware of in the West, uh, anti-inflammatory, uh, boosting your immune or modulating your immune system, all that stuff. But there's a lot of uh, spiritual energies that that mushroom mm-hmm. needs to possess that definitely you tap into your own energy and helps it in so many ways. Right. If if we talk about the three treasure system from Chinese medicine, where there's Jing, Qi, and Shen, uh, Rishi is it's a very good Qi tonic, so it's good for the energy and that, that goes along with, like, the immune system modulation. Uh, but it's also it's one of the top Shen tonics. And most notably, this uh, really made sense to me when I started collecting mushrooms like uh, wild reishis have far more shen than anything cultivated. In fact, I'd say, well, with shen, we have kind of a couple different types of shen herbs. We have those that uh, stabilize. So it's good for just like mood and uh, helping with anxiety, that sort of thing. I'd say any type of reishi is going to be pretty good at that, but really sort of the uplifting shen is where it really expands your spirit. That's going to be even more so from the wild reishi. Just when you have something rare and wild like that, it's, it's I, I kind of think that in terms of it has a special intelligence itself that it's able to it's like impart the, some of that wisdom to you. Yeah, it's like it gathered the wisdom of the forest, being amongst that instead of being grown in amongst its own kind on rice paddies. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's it's kind of like humans in the city in the countryside, which will usually be healthier. And more practical knowledge would be the rural people, as opposed mm-hmm. to the ones all clustered in the city. Yeah, it's it's but interesting just going out and searching for mushrooms. And you realize something, this is kind of more recently I've been starting to get into mushrooms, but it's definitely sort of a slow process. But uh, just recently here in Santa Cruz, we had huge torrential rains after like months long of a drought and everything. And mushrooms just sprouted up out of the ground everywhere. Like, I was talking about driving and seeing them. Like, I could easily see them on the side of the road and everywhere. Uh, but they, as quickly as they sprout up, they can often dis- disappear. But reishi and some of the other tree mushrooms, these things can be around for many years. Uh, some can go, like, decades long. So it's, it's interesting. It's different you know, sort of energy they- that you have something that sticks around for that long versus something that's very quick-lived. Do you know if they actually go, like, dormant during that time when it's particularly bad? Well, or, uh, you have to think, like, the uh, what we call the mushroom is just the fruiting body. It's actually basically sort of the sexual organ of the mushroom, right? So that's coming out so that it can sporulate and then reproduce and all yeah. that. But the mycelium whether that is inside of a dying log where a lot of these medicinal mushrooms grow or it's in the ground, like that's staying there the whole time. So, yeah, dormant in that sense, it, I mean, it's, it's all there the whole time. It doesn't disappear and then come back. Yeah, my, <laughs> duh. Um, <laughs> duh. And the mycelium is the main body that is the actual organism, whereas the mushroom coming out is basically like the vagina and the penis. 
basically. Yeah. But it is the same sort of stuff that I believe one of the guys so just uh, a couple of weeks ago, both Zane and I were at the Fungus Fair, and we did a pretty extensive article showcasing some of the things from that on the supermanherbs.com site. Um, one of the things saying that uh, there used to be this sort of debate what's better, mycelium and fruiting body, and there definitely is different concentrations of things, but the fruiting body, it's, I mean, it's all mycelium. It's just being bound together in a certain way in order to produce that. And the only thing that's really different is kind of, I believe, where it spores. If I remember what uh, Zach Mazzi said correctly. So it's just uh, interesting. It is different things, and there are going to be some different benefits to these. And I'm sure we'll talk about that water extract, uh, alcohol extract, yeah. uh, different compounds, the mycelium versus the uh, fruiting body. Yeah, my understanding of uh, one of the differences is that there's actually more polysaccharides in the fruiting body, I believe, hmm. than in the mycelium, because it needs, they help, uh, they're actually in the cell walls of the mushrooms, and so they actually help keep it hard. Interesting. Yeah. I yeah. <laughs> I, I learned some stuff recently. So... <laughs> <laughs> But, um, like, so you don't, there's, for the reishi, for instance, there's not really a difference if we consume the, because there's, uh, actually, I have a question. Do you know what the difference between reishi spore oil and, say, consuming just a reishi of extract or tincture? Right. What, so, according to because, what I've heard, the reishi spores themselves, um, so uh, a mushroom, is it's, in some ways it's similar to uh, plant, the plant kingdom. In some ways it's actually similar to us. I can go and get some details on that. Uh, realize that the fungal kingdom of which there are these mushrooms, yeast, and everything, it's its own kingdom separate from plants and animals. So it has some differences from both of them, but also some similarities. Yeah. But it uh, produces a fruiting body in order that it can spread its seed out there. So the fruiting body, uh, these spores are going to typically form on the underneath and then blow away the, in the wind or something along those lines. And these spores, the spores are actually really interesting things themselves, right? They found spores from mushroom in space. Like they're able to escape and live in no atmosphere at all and travel because it has a thick shell and able to get there. So there's actually some theories that uh, mushrooms are aliens basically and have traveled some other planet, and if they can actually survive in the vacuum of space, that this may be how mushrooms originally got on this planet. Uh, who knows whether that's true, but they found them in space. They found them on the highest mountaintops, all kinds of things. So the spores are very interesting things themselves. When it comes to the reishi, uh, they go through like a cell wall vibration type thing to crack them, but these are said to be 10 times as potent of an immune medicine as the reishi extract itself, and then the reishi spore oil, somehow they extract just the oil fraction from that. That's 100 times okay. as powerful as a reishi extract for the immune system. How accurate those actual numbers are, you know, I, I'm not sure where exactly they got those, but that's uh, what I've heard. Wow. <laughs> that's pretty intense. Um, I don't know yeah. why I'm... Not on any spore oil. 
because <laughs> it's very expensive stuff. That would yeah. be one reason. I remember uh, like five dollars a bottle. Yeah, we yeah. definitely could do that. If people are interested, let us know. Anything we talk about, we talk about a lot of things that we don't carry. Yeah. You know, just let us know if you're interested, uh, and we'll see if we can source it and put it together, assuming there's enough general interest. So yeah, spore, yeah. oil, or the spores themselves, that would be one direction we can go. Well, that's interesting because I've never seen uh, any other type of mushroom spore product. Hmm. Which is, that's that's I was a wondering. very good point. Right? I was wondering, it's only reishi, and I'm just wondering if it's like a processing thing, it's easier with the reishi or something. Um, That's, you know, if it, if it's good for reishi, and here, here's the thing, like, reishi is great at the, uh, with the immune system, but basically all the uh, mushrooms help with the immune system. You know, when I say all, I wouldn't say every mushroom out there, obviously there's some poisonous ones and that sort of thing. There's probably ones that aren't, <laughs> but as far as medicinal mushrooms, and even the culinary ones, pretty much everything seems to have some uh, health immune system sort of benefits, some of which are likely much better than others. But re- since Rishi has done all this research, my guess is that they decided to investigate the spores and found those sort of properties. Uh, so, yeah, maybe with other mushrooms, I, I don't see why only Rishi spores yeah. would be good and nothing else would be for the same purpose. Huh. We'll have to figure that out and get back to you, yeah. y'all. So next next <laughs> time we see a, because I, I I've seen uh, mushrooms that have just spored, and it's weird. It'll be like this dust or this colored like reddish brown, depending on what type of spore, but just covering the area. So the next time I'll have to just pick some of those spores and see what happens. <laughs> I'll make sure it's not a poisonous mushroom. Sorry. Well, okay. uh, yeah. Let's let, let's let's de- let's uh, mention something about this right now. So. Uh, several years ago, when I first got interested in medicinal mushrooms, it was I had heard about a little bit from a couple of people. I had uh, taken some like reishi products, cordyceps, that sort of thing. But as far as like going out there and finding them, it was after hearing a speech from Paul Stamets that I really was like, I want to learn more about these things. So uh, if you go out and look for them, yes, there are some mushrooms that if you eat one of them, you will die. So uh, the first advice would be if you plan to do anything like this, find out what those look like or what looks similar to them. But the cool thing about m- the medicinal mushrooms is most of them, not all of them, but most of them grow on dead logs or grow on living trees. Some of them do that as well, as opposed to growing yeah. on the ground. Uh, ground mushrooms, uh, while there are some medicinal ones and there are some great culinary ones, uh, there's also the deadly ones there. When it comes to mushrooms that grow on trees, whether living or dead, there are not any poisonous ones except for one, which glows in the dark. So it's pretty easy to tell. <laughs> called the jack-o'-lantern. I've never seen that one around here, but if, if you're looking at tree mushrooms, it is far more of a safe game to play. That being said, still recommend you do some research, talk to some people that know what they're talking about, and find out this stuff before getting started in this process. Yeah, for sure. That's pretty advisable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was wondering, is that one the chances of gills underneath it? Because I heard that uh, going for the tree mushrooms, um, 
if they're polypores, in general, you're almost 100% certain that they're safe to consume. Yes. Uh, and let's describe that term, polypore. What that means, that's another thing we'll hear around the tree mushrooms. So poly means many, and pore is actually like a pore. So these are, uh, if you look at a mushroom that's uh, growing, whether it's a tree or the ground, right, uh, you have the top of the mushroom. Then if you look underneath it, uh, there's quite a few different types. Some mushrooms have gills. Uh, if you think of a portobello mushroom, that's a pretty uh, common one that most people have seen, right? There's a bunch of gills on that. So some mushrooms are like that. Other yeah. ones have pores, and hence this term polypore. So it's a bunch of tiny dots like this, and that's what the spores come out of. So yeah, any tree mushroom that's a polypore, because there are some tree-gilled ones, which the jack-o'-lantern is one, then yes, oh, okay. you be safe with that. Huh. But it also glows in the dark. The dark. <laughs> so just wait till nightfall before you touch it. <laughs> um, awesome. All right. Well, is there anything else we need to say about reishi? Because there's a lot of mushrooms we can get to. I mean, we could do the whole podcast just on reishi. But uh, yeah. Uh, so here's something interesting, and I do plan to do an article on this later. Uh, some bad yeah. news about reishi. Still got to do some more investigation on this, but I actually came across something that may not be the best ever, especially for a lot of the people that are interested in the stuff on our site. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Is okay. that bad? So, <laughs> so uh, reishi, they investigated like 17 different mushrooms and found that reishi was the strongest one at uh, reducing 5-alpha reductase enzyme activity. Are you familiar with that, bit? With that, what it does? Uh, remind me. I know what you're talking about. But. So 5-alpha reductase, that is the enzyme that converts testosterone into DHT. Okay, yeah. So uh, testosterone, you know, many people will, we have lots of information on that on the site and some of our top herbs definitely have to do with that. DHT, dihydrotestosterone, is basically a, depending on who you ask, 10 to 50 times as potent of an androgen as testosterone. So everything that uh, people claim testosterone gives you, like DHT is probably uh, responsible for that, at least in a big part. Uh, Like DHT can't be aromatized. That's another benefit of it. So as far as being like lean and feeling great, um, it's it's really a huge, important hormone. Uh, The thing is, it's been implicated, though this isn't doesn't seem to actually be uh, very true. More recent research has said that really has to do with high estrogen levels more than that, but in prostate mm-hmm. problems and prostate cancer. So a lot of herbs have been noted for their ability to reduce DHT, uh, some common ones being like saw palmetto, um, but mm-hmm. reishi also seems to do this. So in really? those cases, yeah, so in those cases it could be useful. It's also implicated in male pattern baldness, which is interesting. Uh, but in general, for people that are looking to be healthy, I'd say that reducing 5-alpha uh, reductase is not something that you want to do regularly. So Rishi may have some issues with this. Once again, I'm going to do a lot more research, find out what I can about it. One thing I do know at this point is the alcohol extract is where this seems to get concentrated, whereas the water extract did not. So. Oh. That's really good to know. Okay, yeah. so... It was the gamma acids within the reishi mushroom. 
if okay. I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. I'm wondering, yeah. do you know if the, all the monks and Buddhists that were using Rishi to improve their meditations and stuff like that, they wouldn't probably t- be tincturing this stuff, right? Well, you, here's one thing you have to think about. We think about alcohol, right? Like, this really wasn't distilled and isolated in its form for such a long, long time. Like, I believe only, what, maybe 500 years ago, uh, the first, I mean, quite possibly, like, they were doing this in some places long ago that we don't know about, but as far as we know, like, distillation of alcohol is a fairly recent thing, so yeah, we're going back a long time. Then, yeah, it's always been key extracts of everything. Yeah. Okay. Well, just and so maybe there's everyone still knows. some activity. Like I said, haven't seen all the details on this or how strong it is because they compared it to other mushrooms and Rishi had the strongest. But was this strong compared to other herbs or whatnot? I, I don't have the full details on this yet. Just are, are you take, are you taking an alcohol extract of Rishi? No, I'm not. I mean, we don't have that available. Okay. Ours is a water extract. Yeah, it is a water extract. And I pretty much only take our herbs these days anyway. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> okay, but you were saying that they found that it's pulled out in the alcohol, usually. Yeah, from what I looked at, that's what I saw. But like I said, okay. I've got more investigation to do, and we'll do an article on that in the future for sure. Because I was like, for oh. Sure. <laughs> this is interesting. Got to see what's up with it. Well, yeah, I would love to have a dual extracted, some dual extracted tinctures of our mushrooms, just to get both sides of the equation. But that's definitely interesting to know. Yeah. Um, Let's uh, talk a little bit about that. So, uh, with water extracts, which is uh, a little bit more cal- common, and I'd say this is probably true with uh, most many. Um, mushroom products on the market, uh, and some of the stuff we have, it's the mycelium. So uh, how do they actually get this? In nature, you can't really generally get the mycelium because the mycelium is underground or it's in the tree itself. So you don't really eat the mycelium. You're getting the fruiting body. But as they grow this stuff in laboratories, which is pretty easy to do, and it has some benefits that it's generally a lot more cost economical, they grow it on a substrate, uh, generally some sort of uh, grain type of product. Ours Usually are grown right. on sorghum. Yeah. yeah, ours are grown on sorghum, uh, oh, which is okay. a gluten-free grain. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, uh, we can use different things. And some enough. mushrooms like uh, prefer uh, certain grains over others, but it's grown on this grain to the point where the mycelium, the fungus, it basically it uses all the grain as its fuel, right? And, and so my it all up. all that's left over? Yeah, so uh, there's should be no grain left, really. It's uh-huh. all become mycelium, although, of course, you know, depending what it grows on is definitely going to change up the product in some way because of what's available and everything. So it's, it's, it takes it all over, and it generally then has fruiting body. But because it's not, like, trapped within wood or mixed into the dirt, right, they can take this mycelium and the fruiting body and grind it all together, and then it's digestible, it's usable in this form. Mm-hmm. As opposed to if you have these woody mushrooms like reishi and you find one in the forest, you can't just eat yeah. that. Even if you grind it up into a powder, uh, your body's not going to be able to digest that. 
just because yeah. of its uh, it's it's way too fibrous. So it needs to be extracted in some way, which is done through hot That's water, making it strong. It's because the cell walls are made out of chitin, like, right. uh, and w- our body can't actually digest the chitin. Mm-hmm. What is that called? Chitin. Chitin. Yeah, and so you need the hot water no. or, or, or the alcohol to break that down. Right. Right, okay. so the alcohol being the other way. And I don't think alcohol actually breaks it down versus it just pulls certain it things out It just pulls out it out? There. Okay, that makes more sense. Yeah. Because otherwise uh, so here, here, here's the thing about it. So uh, with a hot water extract, you're going to draw more of certain compounds out and not necessarily others. With alcohol, the reverse is true. You're going to draw more of certain compounds out but not others. So one example with the mushrooms, the polysaccharides, uh, beta-glucans, uh, there's a few different other things. These are much more concentrated in hot water extracts. Uh, they're able to pull out. So for the immune system benefits, uh, some sort of hot water extract is going to be the best way to get that from the mushrooms, uh, yeah. whereas other components can be better drawn out through the alcohol. Um, yeah, I was listening and heard that the alcohol, you're actually pulling out more of the, like, antibiotic, antifungal stuff as hmm. opposed to uh, the water extract. You're pulling out those poly, those sugars, those long-chain sugars, polysaccharides, and that, those are the things that help modulate your immune system. And mm-hmm. so when you do a, a dual extract, uh, you, the polysaccharides don't actually last that long because the alcohol eventually breaks them down. And I think that's why they don't sell them on store shelves because some, some stuff won't even last six months. And if you want mm-hmm. those... Uh, immune modulating benefits with the other benefits, you got to consume that, that dual extract pretty fast. I've actually oh, only seen w- one dual extract on the market uh, at Sir Thrival that I know of. So I was wondering what their shelf lives are. I just learned that today. I'm wondering what their shelf lives But that could be the reason why no one does alcohol extract. Interesting. Right. Well, people do alcohol extracts, but not necessarily dual extracts, right? Oh, well, that's true, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And that's the only dual extract I know on the market, so. Okay. Well, you mentioned those, like, antiviral, antibacterial uh, components. So some mushrooms have these, some more than others. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, there used to be this idea if you had, like, candida, which is a problem a lot of people suffer with, you don't want to eat mushrooms because uh, fungus is going to feed fungus, but that's not necessarily true. In fact, reishi is a great anti-candida uh, type of thing to be taking. Uh, yes, shiitake as well. Uh, oh. It's interesting that uh, these mushrooms can actually have antifungal components. So uh, even though they're funguses themselves, they're able to fight off certain other ones, including some of these bad things that we generally don't want to get. Well, I, I heard that the reishi and shiitake, if you put them in a log that log will never get a uh, uh, candida infection. It's that powerful. Do logs get candida? Yeah, I think that, yeah. Candida is not just in your body. I'm pretty sure it's all out there. Um, But the other thing is I learned that 
if you do have candida problems, you and they say stay away from mushrooms. There's a reason why uh, you should probably stay away from the agaricus family mm-hmm. because that seems to promote candida, actually. But the little uh, so right, the white button mushroom yeah. is uh, agaricus bisporus. Um, put that's a common on. one. Like they slice it up and put it on pizza. Uh, it's sold in most stores. Um, and that one does have some interesting benefits by itself. Uh, let me mention why I think that's the case is uh, a lot of these commercial mushrooms that you'll find, that it's probably not the problem of the mushroom itself, but it is maybe not necessarily one of the antifungal ones. So they can have these uh, microtoxins, microfungal components on them that can exacerbate those sort of problems you're talking about. I've heard that's a big issue with the a lot of the commercial uh, mushrooms that are sold in stores. So, yeah, that may be something. But the, the white button mushroom, one thing that's very interesting about it, it has a couple of components yeah. that help uh, limit aromatization. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah, so the, the common white button mushroom, uh, this is something that uh, will stop your testosterone from converting over into estrogen. Uh, this is... Is this this is for cooked ones, right? Because raw, you can't actually get that certain element through the cell walls if they're raw. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. Oh wait, it's polyphenol A or something like that. Uh, I'm not mm-hmm. sure what sort of compound is is in there. Uh, but yeah, you mentioned that. So in most cases, while there does seem to be some mushrooms you can ingest and get some benefit from raw uh, because they all have this fibery chitin or chitin, however it's actually pronounced, <laughs> then uh, it, 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 these are much better to eat cooked because it's going to break it down. Basically, most food is more digestible cooked. Not all of it, but uh, definitely mushrooms yeah. would be one of the things that fit into this category. Yeah, for sure. Um well, that's button mushroom. Uh, that includes, like, cremini mushrooms, too, which are basically baby portobellos. Mm-hmm. Um, and both of those, they're really high in antioxidants also. Actually, a lot of mushrooms are <laughs> have a lot of antioxidant capabilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, some are just better than others at that. But uh, where do you want to go next? Well, let's talk about uh, chaga. About there's an interesting one. Chaga, you can, so chaga, you can eat. You can eat that one raw. Well, see, uh, here's an interesting thing about chaga. What you actually see, this is most commonly grows on birch trees, but it does grow on other trees as well. And it's this big, like black mass. Uh, definitely, it has like some orange colors, uh, typically on the inside. So it grows on these trees, but that's not the fruiting body. Um, it's actually in this mushroom, for whatever reason, that is mycelium that grows on the outside. And the fruiting body only occurs, like, very rapidly, and it spores out. But, yeah, for some reason, like, the chaga grows its mycelium on the outside. I believe it's also in the tree, but it's something interesting about it. So that may be one reason that uh, this is something that can be consumed raw. So uh, going back, uh, this was a big one of the Siberian shaman. It still was always made into a tea, I believe, pretty much all the time. It's also used topically 
different things like this. Well, it's pretty woody. I would imagine I've had it raw spoonful. It's not that fun. It's just better <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Uh, um, but I did not know that. That's, that's pretty gnarly, actually. And that maybe that's part of the reason why they call it the king of the mushrooms. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, the... The, like as I said, it's a huge one in the Siberian shamanism. This one also grows in the north um, eastern United States across Canada, uh, sort of that band across the top region of the world. I've never personally found this one, but would definitely like to. <laughs> um, we actually source ours from the wild stuff we sometimes have we get from Minnesota. So it actually grows there on birch trees as well. Hmm. Yeah, that, that sounds about right, right near the top yeah. in the border of Canada and the U.S. Unfortunately, they've been out of it for a little while because <laughs> you know, when it's a wild product, you can't just always get it. Yeah, which is a bummer because uh, I, the cultivated does not have as much good stuff in it, especially melanin, like wild chaga does. You can right. actually tell but, with our uh, cultivated stuff is way not as dark as when we have wild stuff and yeah. that's a lot to do with the melanin content which is yeah. why does it have melanin logan why does it, I, I don't know if i can tell you why but uh we should mention what melanin what? is if people aren't familiar with that uh, melanin is the compound we have in our skin that basically <coughs> gives us skin color and it's found within these chaga mushrooms as well. I believe it actually concentrates the melanin from the trees that it's in. Um, I'd, I'd have to brush up on my chaga <laughs> research, Your but chaga? it was very well, interesting. And it, it concentrates an, an acid from the tree, actually. Oh, that's, I'm not that's sure about the melanin, acid, right. but because you told me it was a uh, mycelium, I'm thinking that it needs it to actually protect itself from ultraviolet yeah that could definitely be it uh so here's an interesting thing about mushrooms uh some of them produce vitamin d in much the same way that we do if you take uh shiitake mushrooms uh this is like been studied and verified that this is the case my guess is it happens with some of the other mushrooms as well if you take like dried ones or fresh ones and put them outside flip them up so their gills are facing up and let them dry out there like these mushrooms will create vitamin D in them uh, just like we do, uh, just taking the sunlight and transferring it over. So that's one of the things that they have in common with us. Uh, and uh, my guess is that, oh, yeah, it, it does look like chaga does have vitamin D in it, so it is probably doing the same thing right there, and that melanin is likely somewhere in play along with it. Oh, um, man, I just learned so much about Chaga. I watched that one we have posted, and there's so much information. It's pretty amazing, and everyone should check it out. Cause you will just oh, that video? That video, yeah. Right. You so uh, back in our blog and our it. archives, if you type in, like, Chaga video on our site, you'll be able to see it's like an hour-long video all about the amazing benefits this so you should put it put it down in the show notes for this one yeah i can do that yeah because that was pretty good 
it goes into depth on like the main benefits of chaga and chaga just has a lot of stuff that no other mushroom has and the high melanin is just super important for everyone plus mm -hmm. it can act as an internal sunscreen surprisingly okay. Apparently, it has 25 to 50 times the superoxide dismutase as any other medicinal mushroom, and that's a very potent antioxidant. Um, this this seems to be one of the probably the strongest antioxidant mushrooms that there is. Uh, one of the amazing things about chaga is it was approved as a drug for cancer in Russia. Obviously, not over here in the U.S. I will avoid it completely <laughs> yeah, because it's 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 not verified to do anything like that, but they they uh, used it often in combination with things like chemotherapy, and not only did they have overall better success rates with the patients, but the chaga seemed to help mitigate a lot of the side effects that occurred uh, with radiation, chemotherapy, that sort of thing. So just something to keep in mind. <laughs> um, yeah, and just to note, I think part of the reason why it's so good with care. Uh, chemo and st uh, radiation is mm -hmm. uh, butylinic acid. Butylinic acid. Butylinic acid. Um, it actually absorbs it and concentrates it from the birch tree itself. So it's coming from the birch tree, but it, you can't just eat birch bark. <laughs> You'd have to eat it a lot <laughs> to get the same amount you would in just a little bit of chaga. Um, and that acid actually prevents the DNA from unwrapping. So mm. when you get damage to your DNA itself, it's going to unwrap, and that's when the damage can occur. And so this stuff will actually keep your DNA wrapped up so that no damage can occur. Mm. Which and I believe what you're saying probably helps with the chemotherapy and radiation because yeah, all yeah, those are targeted to move. Epic cancers, you know, there's collateral damage at the same time, which unfortunately can start this DNA damage process that may lead to cancer down the road. Right? <laughs> Just throw fuel on the fire. Um, 